So we're wrapping up our series called Anxious About Everything, Nothing. You kind of get to decide where you're at in life. Uh, Our goal is that we move from being anxious about everything to being anxious about nothing. That's the hope. I think that you would like to get to that point where you exchange every for no, and we know that that's difficult. Uh, That's not an easy place to get, and we've been looking at that over uh, the last four weeks, and so this is our last week in this series. If you've missed any, I hope you'll go back and listen. You can find our podcast. Uh, We have the videos on YouTube. I would encourage you to do that. Maybe you missed something that would be helpful to you, Uh, but I think that today is one of those that all of us will connect with. I know one of the biggest decisions my family normally has to make uh, almost every day is what's for dinner. Anybody else deal with that? We're the only ones, right? It's almost every day. Uh, what, what's for dinner? Or my wife and I, when we'll go out, it's usually me asking her, well, where do you want to go? And the response usually is, I don't know. Where do you want to go? And I respond, I don't really care. Where do you want to go? And she says, I don't care. And, and so we, we have this battle back and forth, right? And that's ultimately one of those decisions that comes almost every day. It'd be great if someone just said, this is what you're having for dinner uh, tonight. If anyone wants to do that for us, we'll, we'll take that. And, uh, but that's one of those decisions that we have to make. Um, decisions are hard, and that one's kind of a simple decision. Uh, you need food, and you'll eat, and you'll figure it out. But I know in our lives that we have bigger decisions we have to make. Uh, There's big decisions, and there's small, small decisions, but making decisions is complicated. It's hard to make decisions. And often with making decisions comes worry and anxiety. There's worry that comes along. Am I making the right decision? We become anxious because of decisions that we have made, and we wonder if I should have done something or could I have done something different. And so with decisions comes worry and possibly anxiety. And there's all kinds of areas, right? We all probably have something different where we're struggling with this. Maybe it's your job. Whether it's finding a job or trying to figure out if it's the right job or what the next job needs to be, do I make the decision to go for the promotion? It's going to affect your family and time away, and so you have to make this decision, and it's not easy. Or education, uh, maybe you're trying to make the decision of what's next with education. I remember when I was the youth pastor here, and for seven years, I would sit in my office with high school students as they're graduating. And they wrestle with the decision, where do I go to school? And usually the worry or anxiety came along because they felt like if they made the wrong decision, how was that going to negatively impact their lives? And so it was difficult to get to that point. Or maybe you're older and you're thinking, maybe should I go back to school? Or do I need to go to higher education? And so you have that decision to make. Or living, rent a house, buy a house, live with parents, Sell a house, downgrade, upgrade, right? You're trying to figure out what's best for you or your family. Which bill to pay first? That's the realistic place where where some of us might find ourselves. You have to pay bills and you're you're deciding which which one this month do you pay. The decision, do you ask her out? Nobody? Okay, ask her out. Uh, Say yes to him, right? (laughs) He asked, "Do do I say yes? You have to make that decision. Another date, engage, marry right? Some of you maybe uh, got to a point where you're like, did I miss the one? And you wonder about those decisions that you've made, the decision of where to go or not go, medical decisions, new doctor. Do I go back to the same doctor? Do I get a different opinion? 
Look, we're overwhelmed with just daily decisions. Do I hit the snooze or do I not? Right? Do I, do I eat lunch? Do I get up a little early and exercise? Our, our lives are filled with making decisions. We're at a place right now with a car that's breaking down and we don't want to put money into it. Last week when we went apple picking, uh, we drove by a beautiful Jeep on the side of the road out towards Alton. And so, yes, thank you. And uh, so we... We got, we got apple picking, we were done, and I pulled in, and my wife's like, where are you going? I was like, well, obviously, I'm going to go look for the Jeep and see uh, if that's something we can buy. And so I got the number, and, and I called, and I found out how much it was, and the question was, is that a smart decision? And I was like, yes. And she was like, no, that's not a smart decision. And so, right, we, we have to make these decisions. And sometimes decisions are hard because maybe the people around you don't agree with the decision that you want to make. Right? And so worry, anxiety begins to set in. Relationally, do I make the phone call? Do I admit that I was wrong? Do, do I have the difficult conversation and, and ask them to forgive me? Do I let go and move on from that relationship? See, there's this real fear that settles in on our hearts and our minds that we're going to make the wrong decision. The, the costly wrong decision. And so sometimes we're stagnant. Sometimes we live in fear of that. Look, I I know this is an issue for you because counseling in my office, probably 75% of the counseling that I do is based on, do I make this decision or do I not? Or it is, I made this decision and now I'm trying to figure out what to do next. Right? We, we live with the past decisions we've made. I wonder if, right? We, we've said that. We, we worry about the future decisions and making the wrong one. And then there's the spiritual decision. So, so some of you, I would know that you would say, I don't know if I'm a Christian. I don't know if I believe. And so maybe this hasn't come up in your life. But, but if you are a follower of Jesus, some of you have come to the point where you're like, is this what God wants for me to do? Right? And it would be so much easier if we just heard this voice where God was speaking and telling us what to do. That would be easier. But that doesn't always happen. And so we wrestle with the, is this what God really wants for me right now? Is this in his plan for my life? Am I following his purpose? Uh, I remember it was right at six years ago uh, when the decision came up that the, the current lead pastor had left. And I began trying to figure out what was next for me. At the time, I was the youth pastor and and, and really, everything in me was leading to leave. I was at this point, I, I had a conversation with a, a pastor in Indiana, and, and I remember one day, I, I just laid in the gym on the other end of our building. And I just laid there, and I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I'm stuck. Do I, do I stay, and do I, do I move into the role of lead pastor? Do I, is it time for me to leave? God, what do you want me to do? What is your will for me? And I laid there and heard nothing, right? I heard nothing. I'm like, anything, anything, right? And so I I get that. You you live in this place of, I don't know what to do. And we become worried and anxious. And so for the last four weeks, we've, we've looked at this letter written by a guy named Paul. Paul's not a follower of Jesus for a large part of his life. He then has this encounter with God. Uh, his life is reoriented. He, he changes really how he sees Jesus and the gospel, and he becomes a follower of Jesus. He writes these letters to help other people follow Jesus. 
and he writes this letter. It's, it's found in Philippians. If you don't own a Bible, there's a red Bible around you somewhere. Uh, we'd love for you to have that. It's Philippians 4, uh, 6 through 8. And this is kind of what we've looked at over the last several weeks. This has been kind of the foundation of, of what we've been doing. And so let me just read this to you. Paul says this. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8 says this, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so we've looked at this idea that, that there's these things that come up in your life that causes you to be anxious or worried. And Paul is saying to you and to me in the very beginning, before he says don't be anxious, he tells you that the Lord is near. So no matter where you've been, what you've done, the decisions you've made, why you feel worried or anxious, God is in the midst of that. His presence is near to you. So even when you don't hear him, it doesn't mean that he has walked away or abandoned you in the midst of your situation. We looked at that week one. Week two, we looked at this idea of starving our worry and feeding our faith. What does it look like to starve the worry in our life? And we talked about learning to breathe learning to begin to breathe and to center ourselves back to, to God and then to pray. Paul says, don't worry, but then it's as if Paul says, I know you're still going to worry. And so when you do worry, would you just begin to pray? Let your prayers be shaped by your worries. And then we said, okay, what does it look like when we long for peace? What, what does it look like to experience the peace of God? And we said, you are going to dwell somewhere. Your mind will dwell somewhere. So you're either going to dwell on the anxious thoughts and you're going to dwell on the what ifs. You're going to live in that place. Or you can take up and move residence and then begin to dwell on what Paul says is good and true and noble and praiseworthy. So where are you dwelling? When you begin to worry or have anxious thoughts, do you sit in that place or do you move into the place of dwelling on what God is saying is good and true. And then last week, we looked at this idea of worry just simply doesn't work. Right? just doesn't work. We, we know that, but we still return to it. We said, look, your, your life is too important. You are too important to worry. Jesus says, who can add a single hour to their life by worrying? It just simply won't happen. God is concerned about what you're worried about and cares. And then we talked about this idea of how do we begin to see that God's kingdom is more important than our own kingdom. Oftentimes, the things we worry about really just simply don't matter. We're concerned maybe because the world tells us it matters and we concern ourselves. But, but what does it look like to align ourselves with what God says is most important? So in the midst of all of that, you are making decisions. You have to decide what's best for you. If you have a family, it's what's best for your family, and it's, it's hard. It's hard because there's so many choices. Right? How do we possibly make a decision when there's so many options? I was thinking about this morning, uh, I was thinking about how In-N-Out, anybody ever had In-N-Out, one of the greatest burgers uh, you could possibly have? Uh, don't argue, it's true. Uh, In-N-Out, uh, if you've ever been to In-N-Out, you walk in and there's like four options 
And the options are like one patty, two patties, four patties, all right? You can have as many. That's the option. And fries, that's, that's the menu, right? There's a hidden menu, but as you walk in, that's basically the menu. But then you have, if you've ever been to Cheesecake Factory, right? It's a novel that you look at, and you have to take an hour to go through it, right? It'd be great if life was more like in and out but it's not. You are overwhelmed with what you could choose. That's on the little things, but also the big. There's so many options, and, and often we're paralyzed because of the options. And it's the fear of making a costly mistake. We think we know what's right, but we fear of it being wrong. Proverbs 16.25 says this, There is a way that seems right to a man or a woman, but in the end it leads to death. Not real encouraging, is that? (laughs) Right? You find yourself in a place where you're like, I think this is right. But, but the author of this says to a man or to a person, and, and you think it's the best decision, but you haven't really surrounded yourself. And what we're going to look at, look at is you've been trying to figure this out on your own. You haven't maybe reached out for help or guidance. You haven't decided to invite other people into your story to help you make this decision. And so you're only basing it on the knowledge that you have. Uh, This last week when I was sitting in Starbucks and I was working on my message, there was a young guy sitting next to me and he was doing some work. And then one of the baristas, the girl came out and sat next to him and I could quickly realize that they were a couple and dating. And and so they sit down and he reaches into his bag and he pulls out a little plastic to-go container and in this container is a sandwich, a breakfast sandwich. And he was so excited to give this sandwich to his girlfriend. And he hands it to her, and her response is, he says, "Uh, you might have to microwave this. And she looks at him and says, we don't have a microwave. And such a simple, simple thing, this guy was crushed. Like, head goes down. He takes the sandwich, puts it back in his back. And so in a simple way, he just didn't have enough knowledge of what he was doing, right? It was, he thought it was the right decision. And I want to say, bud, that was a great idea. It was so loving. She kind of leaves him and goes back to work. And I'm like, poor guy. Uh, I'll take the sandwich. I got a, I got a microwave at, at home. I'll be happy to eat it, right? But, but for many of us, we get to this point of making decisions where we don't want to include other people. Right? We, we think other people are too busy. Other people aren't really concerned about the decision that we have to make. And so it weighs on ourselves, and we try and do it alone. And so we see Proverbs say uh, there's a way that seems right to a man, to a person, but, but often it leads to death. It's the, the wrong decision. But we're going to look at a different account uh, in Acts 15 where the language and the story is just going to be a little different. And maybe the answer to the question how do we deal with the worry and anxiety about making decisions is simply not to overcomplicate it, but it's just not to do it alone. Not to think that you have to figure it out all by yourself. In Acts 15, we have this situation where Paul, who we're talking about, is with a couple of other church leaders, and they're about to go and speak to a a group of Christians specifically a group of Gentiles, so they're not Jewish, right? So when Jesus comes, he comes for everyone. It wasn't just the Jewish people. 
He, he comes for everyone. The grace is available for everyone. Uh, but, but Jews and Gentiles lived a very different life. Their culture and history was very different. And so Paul and Barnabas are trying to figure out, well, how do we help them follow Jesus? What, what do we tell them that they should do or they shouldn't do? And ultimately, the big decision was, do, do we need to go tell the Gentiles that they need to be circumcised or not? Right? I think most of you would know what that means, and so we won't go any further. But if you don't, um, you'll figure it out. And so, uh, so the, the question is, do we go to the Gentiles, who that's not a part of their history and culture, and tell them that they need to become like the Jewish people who were circumcised? Just as a pastor, I'm thankful that that's not a decision that I have to make, right? That, that I don't have to encourage you guys, thankful, if, yeah, right? So I don't have to do that. But for Paul and Barnabas, they're like, I don't know what to do, right? How do we help them follow Jesus? And this is how they, they come to this decision. Verse 22, it says this. It seemed good to the apostles, to the elders, and with the whole church to choose men from among them to send to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brethren. And they sent this letter by them. The apostles and the brethren who are elders to the brethren, the group in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, who are from the Gentiles, greetings. Since we have heard that some of our number to whom we gave no instruction have disturbed you with their words, unsettling your souls, it seemed good to us, having become of one mind, to select men to send to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will also report the same thing by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials, that you abstain from things sacrificed to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication. If you keep yourselves free from such things, you will do well. Farewell. So they say, okay, we, we came up with this short list of essentials. But Paul doesn't say, I thought this is what seemed good. Paul said, look, there was a group of us who came together. And we said, what's best? What do we think is good? This is what seems good to us. It says the whole church. So it even extended from this small group of people. Other people were invited in to say, is this what's best? And then it says that it wasn't even just the people who gathered, but it was the Holy Spirit. It was God who was saying, this is what seems good. They were not making this decision alone or with their own agendas, because what seems right to a man or a woman or someone who is alone often leads to death. But we see here what seems good to apostles, elders, leaders in the church. All of us, the church, and the Holy Spirit seems to have a different outcome. So this decision that was made was not made in silence or in a vacuum, but with the help of others and the Holy Spirit. See, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus, who we elevate and should and we see as important, at one point says, I'm leaving I've done my purpose. I've, I've come and I've given myself up for you and I'm leaving. But have hope 
have courage. I'm sending my Holy Spirit. I'm sending the Spirit of God. I'm sending the term that's often used in the Scriptures is the guide or the helper. I'm sending him back to you. We don't have to make these decisions solely on our own. And I think that what hit me in the midst of all of this as studying and listening to other people who have preached on this and the thing that hit me most was what voices do we listen to? As we have to make decisions in our life, what is impacting the decisions that we're making? They were listening to some voices. They, they were listening to the voices of the people who were close to them and the voice of God. But I don't think we always listen to wise voices. We listen to our own, which sometimes we can't see the whole picture. We don't, we're unable to remove ourselves enough from the story to, to figure out what's wise, but we only listen to ourselves. Or we do what we see as wise in the opinions of a worldly view. Like, well, this is what everyone else does, right? Everyone's trying to get to the next step or climb the ladder of success. And so, well, obviously I need to do that as well. Or bigger, better, whatever it might be, we, we get to this place where we're listening to some things that maybe aren't wise, right? When, when ultimately, we, if you're a follower of Jesus, should be listening to the teachings and life of Jesus, things that often go against a worldly view of loving your enemies, of blessing those who curse you or hurt you, of loving your neighbor as yourself. That is the wise thing to do, but sometimes we, we don't do that because of what we fear or hear from the people who have the loudest voice in our culture. Or we listen to voices with an agenda or self-help books or other people. right? And, and so ultimately... We're not always listening to wise voices. So you may say, no, 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 I, I don't make decisions on my own. I include other people. Other people help me. But who? who who's helping you? Are, are they wise? Are, are they making good decisions? I, I was thinking back when I was a middle school pastor out in California. I had a small group of, of middle school boys, 7th and 8th grade boys, who would meet in my garage. And sometimes we'd have 20 or 25 seventh and eighth grade boys in my garage and we'd be talking and I'd often let them share what's going on in life. And it would be always interesting when one seventh grader would share about something that was going on in their life and they would say, you know, I'm having this problem with this guy at school. And then someone else would say, well, next time something happens, you just got to punch them in the face before they do it to you. And I'm like, I'm not sure that's wise advice, right? But if we listen to people who are unwise, a seventh grader maybe is not the wisest person to advise their friend about certain situations. You're going to get not good results, but we do that. We listen to people who are maybe not wise, and we make our decisions off of that. But what we see here, the decision comes with the church, and it comes with the help of the Holy Spirit. Now, and here's where I want to remind you that as we talk about the church, please remember that's not a building, right? So as Paul says here, the whole church, he was saying that the whole assembly of people were trying to make this decision. They were trying to figure out what was best. And so you play a role in helping other people figure out how to make good decisions. 
you're in relationships with people who, who are trying to figure out what's best and what's next, and maybe you have a role to play in that. See, one of the best things you can do, I can do, that, that we can do, is to begin to believe that the decisions we have to make aren't meant to be made alone. They're not meant to be made alone. It's not meant to isolate us, but to incorporate others as we make these decisions. And so before I give some real tangible things as we end, before I give you some real tangible things to do as you try and figure out how to make wise decisions when you're worried or anxious, can I just tell you that some of you have made poor decisions? Some of you have made poor decisions. You're living with regret. You're maybe living with shame. You're maybe wondering because of that decision, is there still hope for me? And can I just encourage you and tell you that it's not too late? Like that there's this idea that, that maybe the wrong decision has got me so off track that there is no way God could still use me. There's just no way. I'm too far gone. Or there's no way that I could still be blessed by God. I'm just going to have to deal with what the decisions I have made. And there are, there are consequences to decisions, but it doesn't mean that God has walked away from you because you've made some poor decisions. It doesn't mean that you're eliminated be, by being loved by God or forgiven by God. Last week, I talked about how it's important to know where you're at if you're going to move forward. And I was thinking this week uh, that the important part of Siri or anything that's helping you find your way is, is when it recalculates. I'm sure that's happened to you. It, it's trying to get you to turn and you miss a turn or you turn too soon. Siri doesn't tell you that you're dumb. Siri doesn't just shut down and say, you're now on your own, right? But what does it do? It, it figures out how to get you back on track. It recalculates, and it just tells you, okay, you're okay. There's going to be another turn that you can make to get back on the path. It's not too late. You, you can come back. And so some of you, I just want to encourage you to tell you that it's not too late that you have made some poor decisions, some things have happened in your life, and you have been carrying those things, wondering the impact it's having on your life. And maybe there's just some freedom that can be found today in knowing that it's not too late and that your life isn't determined simply by the wrong turns you've made in your life. It's not. I've talked to some of you, and you think it is. You think there's no hope for you now because of what you have done or the decisions that you've made. But I think the important thing is not the wrong turns you've made, but how quickly you listen to the recalculate. How quickly do you move back to making wise decisions? How quickly do you return and ask God, okay, what do I do now? Listen to this before I give you some tangible things I'm encourage you to do. It's in Romans 8. Paul's writing this to the church in Rome. Uh, Romans 8. 26 through 28 says this, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Do you believe that God could still do good 
in your wrong decisions? Do you believe that God is still working? That even though you're not where you wish you were, it's not too late. Eugene Peterson, who paraphrases the Bible, uh, he says this in, in that same passage. He says, meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition, and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. It's not too late. It's not too late to recalculate and get back on the path that God wants for us. So how do we do that? How do we begin to make wise decisions? What are some tips to do that, especially when we're worried or anxious? Number one is no surprise. I'm going to encourage you to ask God. You just begin to ask God. James 1.5. James 1.5. It won't be on the screen, but James 1.5 says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, right? That's where you find yourself and you don't know what to do. You don't feel wise. Anyone who lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. You begin just to say, okay, God, I don't know what to do. Will you help me be wise? What's the wise decision to make here? And this is what I've learned over um, my, my life in making decisions. Sometimes it's just you take a step, right? You just take a step. Martin Luther King Jr. had a saying, you don't have to see the whole staircase to make a decision, you just take a step, right? And, and you take a step, and you get there, and you think, all right, okay, I'm feel, I feel okay. Nothing, nothing terrible is happening. Okay, I'm going to take the next step. I'm going to take the next, okay, God, I, I feel like this isn't where I'm supposed to be. And then you come back down, right? We, we are in fear of taking the next step because we don't know what's next. And so we just begin to ask God, would you just open some doors if I should walk through? Would you close doors if I'm not supposed to? If I shouldn't take this job, will you just make it evident to me? Will you give me wisdom? Should, should I say yes to this opportunity or no? Is this the right house? Is this the right place for us? God, I don't know what to do. Would you help us to be wise? And you just ask God, believing, believing that he wants to help you. So first, ask God, no surprise. Number two, don't live life as a lone ranger. Don't live life alone. Don't try and figure out what to do next by yourself. It will overwhelm you. The bigger decision the more people you should bring around you. Wise people. The bigger decision you have to make, the more people you should surround yourself with. Ask those who are wise. Ask those who maybe have been in the same place you currently are. You seek the leading of God and you seek the help of other people and then you do what you think seems good. That's what Paul and this group of guys do. They just say, this seemed good. This seemed like the right decision and they did it. And then number three, you do what's wise. You then do it. You, you do what you think is most wise. Let's be honest. Sometimes we make poor decisions because we want to. Right? Can we just be honest? Sometimes we do the unwise thing because it's easier in the moment. Uh, we, we don't want to do the hard work or it's the immediate gratification or it feels 
good. And so we make poor decisions because that's what we want to do, knowing it's not wise. So for many of us, we just make the wise decision. We ask ourselves, what, what is the best thing for me to do right now? Andy Stanley, who's a pastor in uh, North Atlanta area, he's got a book called Ask It, and this is the thing he says. In light of past experiences, of current circumstances, or hopes and dreams in my future, what's the wise thing to do? Let me say that again. You try and figure out, because of your past experiences, is this wise? Because of the temptations or the struggles you've had in your past, people maybe who have not been best for you, would this be unwise to say yes to that? Right? Because of your past experiences, what is wise? He says, then, in your current circumstances, where I am now, is this wise? Maybe it would have been okay for me at 20, but at 30, with a wife, with children, this is not the most wise thing for me to do. So according to your current circumstances, will I regret this decision next week, next month, next year because of where I find myself right now? And then looking at your future hopes and dreams, where do you want to be? Where do you want to be in a year, five years, ten years? And you make decisions based on where you would like to be. What relationships do you need to let go of because where do you hope to be in five years? If you want a healthy marriage, what does it look like to get that healthy marriage? What do you want that to look like? You make the decisions now for where you want to be. You want to get out of debt? You want to be debt-free in five years? Well, it's the decisions you make now. So maybe it is a wise decision for me not to buy the Jeep, right? The decisions I make now are going to affect the decisions in my life down the road. Craig Rochelle in his book, Divine Direction, says that the decisions today will determine, this, this, will determine the stories that you tell in the future. Let me say that again. The decisions you make today will determine the stories you tell tomorrow. So what story do you want to tell? And in light of past experiences, in light of your current circumstances, in light of your future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? And you have someone come alongside of you and you do what is wise. And then the last thing, for some of you who have gotten off track, you come back. You just come back. It's okay to say, I made a bad decision. And, and maybe you need someone to help you walk through that and figure out what's next. And I'd be happy to do that. But the wisest thing for many of you to do is to come back, is to listen to wise voices, to listen to the leading of God through the Holy Spirit, and just come back to what is wise. And as we do this, as we make decisions and we worry about what's right and we're anxious about what's right, we remember, as we've talked about, the Lord is near in those decisions. You're not alone that we seek him in prayer. The worries shape our prayers. And then we just say, God, would you give me a peace in this decision? This is what seems right, God. Would you just give me peace about it? If it's not right, don't give me peace. Seek the peace of God. And then you see what's wise. 
You make the decision of what seems right. And then you don't worry. You fight against that because we know it simply doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And then we make the wise decision and we move on. And in the midst of all of that, there is grace upon grace from a loving Father. That as we seek God, as we think we're doing what's wise, a loving Father comes alongside of us. And when we get off a little bit, a loving Father helps lead us back. He's not looking for you to make a bad decision. He's not waiting to punish you because you went left when you should have went right. We have a God who cares deeply for us and wants us to seek him as we attempt to make wise decisions. So I don't know where you find yourself today. Greg's going to come up and we'll, we'll finish with our last song. I don't know where you find yourself today as you think about this whole steer, series as uh, a whole, as one story. Let me just say to you again, because this is one of the most important things I hope you've heard through this series, is you can have a tremendous amount of faith. You can read the scriptures, and you can pray, and you can still deal with anxiety. Right? We're doing this because I have dealt with it. We're doing this series because I found myself five years ago with having panic attacks. And look, I was a pastor, and I'm reading scripture and studying and praying and preaching, and I'm following what I think God wants me to do, but I have anxious thoughts. So much so it leads to panic attacks. And the best decision I made was to see a counselor. And so what I started with week one and encouraging you to, to talk to someone, I want to leave you with that again. Maybe the wisest thing you could do today is to research a counselor. Maybe the wisest thing you could do tomorrow is make a phone call and make an appointment to begin to seek someone who is wise. It is the wise thing to do. It doesn't mean that you lack faith at all. It, it just means that as God, as we have seen, we need people to come alongside of us to help us make decisions, and that's okay. So what I start off with week one, it is holistically there is a lot of things that help us as we deal with anxiety and worry and depression. You don't have to figure it out on your own. It doesn't mean you lack faith if you struggle. You may need to see a doctor or a therapist or a counselor. And so I'm going to encourage you to do that. If you need help finding one, see me afterwards. Text me, call me, come to the office, and I would be more than happy to help you as you take that step. That is the wisest thing that many of you will do this week. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Would you stand as I pray for us? God, thank you for an opportunity over the last several weeks just to talk about a subject that many of us either struggle with or we know someone who does. Who anxiety often rules our thoughts. God, I'm thankful that we can come to you with those that we don't have to fear that it shows that we're faithless or doubting, but God, we just need help. And so God, I, I pray that in these moments that you would encourage many of my friends who need to make the wise decision of making a phone call. God, I pray against the enemy, the one who will quickly begin to whisper that we don't need help, the one who will begin to question our faith and make us wonder if it's what we really need. I pray against that, God. I pray that we would hear your voice this morning. 
a voice of love and a voice of grace, a voice that wants to guide us into feeling healthy and whole. God, I know that this series is not going to fix us. I know that after this, God, that that I'm going to be anxious at times, that I'm going to be worried. But God, would you help us, would you help me to remember what we've learned? God, would you help me to be quick to come to you in those moments of anxiety, of worry, of depression? God, would you help me and would you help my friends? God, would you help my friends here today who maybe have never believed that you are good and that you extend grace? Would you help them see that you are a loving Father who offers forgiveness and gives purpose to our lives? I pray that in their own mind and heart, they would accept that and believe that today. God, we thank you that you are near to us in our lives, that we are not alone. Would you remind us of that every day? We pray in Jesus' name.